Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations, where we talk about mental health, adversity, spirituality, and societal issues. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. In this week's episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, prepare to embark on a soul-stirring journey as we delve into the profound realm of near-death experiences. Join me as I sit down with psychologist and researcher, Dr. Margaret Cochran, who has spent significant time unraveling the mysteries behind these extraordinary encounters. As our guest expert, Dr. Cochran unveils captivating stories of individuals who have ventured to the brink of the afterlife and returned with a renewed sense of purpose. She shares mind-bending insights into these life-altering moments through extensive research exploring the depths of human consciousness and spirituality. These stories push the boundaries of our understanding of life's purpose further. Dr. Cochran and I discussed how, upon experiencing a brush with death, people have undergone a profound transformation, shedding their old selves and discovering a newfound clarity of purpose. From former skeptics to hardened cynics, these near-death experiences have shaken the very foundations of their beliefs, awakening a more profound sense of connection and meaning. Dr. Cochran guides us through the common themes and patterns that emerge from these experiences, helping us comprehend the universal wisdom they bring. She examines the pivotal role of self-reflection, gratitude, and love in the journey of those who have found their purpose after facing mortality head on. These stories unravel the extraordinary depths of human resilience and the transformative power of near-death experiences. Prepare to question your understanding of existence and embark on an unforgettable journey as Dr. Cochran and I venture into this episode's remarkable realm of near-death experiences. Dr. Cochran is a transpersonal psychologist licensed clinical social worker, educator, life coach, and author with over 25 years of clinical experience. She seamlessly interweaves traditional ego, transpersonal, and energy psychology, affording her patients every tool possible to achieve their goals and make their dreams a reality. As quoted by Dr. Barbara Oakley, The major focus of Dr. Cochran's work is teaching people how to use their whole brain in accepting life's gifts and facing life's challenges. Dr. Cochran's knowledge, not only of psychology, but a wider ranging array of topics is remarkable. Now, Dr. Cochran focuses mainly on transpersonal psychology and that acknowledges the wholeness of the person in mind, body and spirit noting exceptional human functioning, achievements, and true genius. It teaches us how we can foster the fulfillment of our highest potentials as human beings. I really hope you get a lot out of this episode, and if at the end you could leave a review or a comments in the comment section, I would truly appreciate it. You can also find Dr. Cochran on her website at www.drcochran.com. Great. Dr. Cochran, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I'm super grateful to have you on. And I'm oh, really thank you for having me. 
Yeah, no, the pleasure is all mine. And I'm really excited for the conversation we're going to have today. But before we get started, I do want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners and uh, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and where you're based. Uh, I'm a transpersonal psychologist. I'm a clinical social worker. I'm an author. I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. I'm a hypnotherapist. Um, <laughs> I, I do uh, hypnotic anesthesia in the operating room. A lot of different kinds of things. Um, and I'm based in uh, San Jose, California. Very cool. Very cool. So one of the things that we talked about when we connected offline was this whole experience. Sometimes people have a spiritual transformation. And that was something that was really, really piqued my interest because that's something I'm fascinated with and often Me wonder. Too. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty cool. And to understand what brings about those changes in people, because uh, that's something it's, I've, I've experienced, but I'm always curious to hear other people's journey. But I wanted to kind of explore on that a little bit based on the work you've done and, and what you found. And, and you could share a little bit of, around that. Well, about 37% or 9 million-ish people in the U.S. have had what's called a near-death experience. And it is a, a very profound transformational experience because it goes against everything we understand about 3D reality. Yeah. We often think of ourselves as being our body. And when you have a near-death experience, um, you, you go outside your body, you experience levitation. You travel, um, you have these incredible feelings of intense love and, and you see this powerful light and you're drawn to it. And often when you go, uh, or sometimes even before you get there, you meet loved ones who've passed or, or beings that you don't know, but they, they feel like they have a very special, loving, angelic, if you will, kind of presence. Mm -hmm. You don't come back the same from something like that. Yeah, you would hope so, right? After you see something like that and... Why, why do you feel that people don't come back the same after experiencing that? Like what, I mean, besides the obvious reasons, what's changed in their perspective towards life? Well, I think one of the biggest changes is, is um, you are confronted with love. Mm -hmm. uh, All-encompassing, completely accepting, unconditional love. And very few of us experience that in the 3D world. We, we experience love, but it's usually conditional in some way. Yeah. Based yeah. on some kind of transactional thing. This is not at all like that. Mm -hmm. um, I had a gentleman that I worked with. He was having uh, surgery and he had to have four vessel bypass, which is a big heart surgery, big cardiac surgery. Yeah. And uh, so they were working on him and he, he coded. And they did everything they could to try and save this guy. And he just flatlined. Mm. No brain activity, no heart. You know, they, they worked on him for quite some time, but he was beginning to cool. I mean, you know, so they called right. it, called him dead, and they put him in a, in a container to take him into a holding room um, to keep him cool until they could talk to the family. So as they were wheeling him out, he sat up. So they had to put him back on the operating table and the surgeon had to change his scrubs. I mean, seriously, he was so freaked out and he'd been a surgeon for 30 years. He'd never seen anything like that before. So he put this guy back under again, finished the surgery. Normally after something like that, the anesthesiologist or myself stays with the patient and um, 
helps them, you know, come up out of whatever chemicals they're and make sure they're okay. But this time the surgeon stayed. He wasn't leaving this guy. Yeah. And the man kept saying, Lily, Lily, how's the baby? And the, and the surgeon kept saying, no, sir, there's no baby. You've just had a surgery. It's okay. It's okay. Well, finally, when he comes up out of all his anesthesia, the surgeon said, what happened to you? Mm. And he said, well, I, I was floating above my body and I saw all of you working on me. Mm. And then I saw this light. And I was just compelled to go toward it. So I started to float toward the light. And he began to describe parts of the hospital he'd never been in. And one of those parts was labor and delivery. And there was a woman in labor. And he saw a little ball of light coming toward him. And he thought, oh, the little ball's going to go with me to the big light. And then the mother said, Lily, Lily, don't leave me. And the little ball went back to the mom. And then he went off to the big light. And there was a voice there. And the voice said, well, what have you done with it? And he saw his life and felt his life, not only from his perspective, but from the perspective of everyone he'd encountered. Mm -hmm. Very powerful experience, as you might imagine. Yeah. Yeah. This gentleman, before he died, um, he used to uh, beat his wife and his hobby was cockfighting. He was not a nice man. So he saw all this stuff, felt all this stuff, and he wanted to stay. And the voice said, no, you have to go back. You have work to do. And the next thing he knew was slammed back in his body. And so he said to the surgeon, what, what do I do? I, I don't know what to do. And he said, well, I know this weird lady. That would be me. And you can go talk to her. She does stuff like this. And so he came to see me. And I said, well, sir, how can I help you? He said, doc, you got to help me. I, I, I cry at toilet paper commercials now. All I want to do is hug my wife and kids. And they look at me like I have two heads. And, and yeah. I don't want to hang out with my friends anymore. And I, I, you got to put me back. Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? If you want to go back to being that person, you can do that on your own. If you mm -hmm. want to learn to become the person you are now, that I can help you with. So he decided to do it. And today, that beautiful man, he has, he was a construction guy and he has these huge hands, like 10 times the size of mine. And he now works um, in uh, NICU's uh, intensive care for uh, tiny babies, uh, children born addicted. Mm -hmm. And he will go in, he'll walk in the room and the babies are screaming because they're withdrawing and it's, it's painful for them. And he'll put his hands, he, he, if they allow him, they put his hands in the incubator. Sometimes he can pick them up and he'll sit him in a big rocking chair. The nurses love him because the room just quiets down. Mm. Everybody's calm. And he just says to the babies, it's all right, baby. I know it's hard to be here, but you're going to be okay. And there's light and you're loved. And he's just, it brings tears to my eyes. It's a beautiful thing. Mm. And when I... This is my first experience. I've had many since, but this is my first experience. And I remember thinking to myself, what's my movie going to look like? What's my story going to be when I go to the light? Little hairs went up in the back of my neck. And uh, it changed, radically changed my perspective in terms of my decision making. Because I always know I'm going to live this at least twice. Yeah. 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 No, I thank you for sharing that. That's a powerful story. And, and that in itself can trigger transformation in one's life and i'm not sure are you familiar with dolores cannon a friend of mine shared some of her youtube videos and she talks about people having near-death experiences and mm -hmm. explains very similar to what you've shared there 
So just to kind of understand then, you know, obviously this, this individual came to you looking for some direction and mm -hmm. based on the work you do, and it sounds like, you know, you've got many mm -hmm. hats. How are you able to help people kind of find, like often we need guides, right? In our lives and, yes. and you're not going to tell them what to do, but you perhaps guide and show certain things that they can embody to, to experience that transformation. What are some of the things that you offer to people that they can then, after having such a powerful experience, transform their lives? Well, let's look at the research briefly. Um, there was a woman named Yolanda Stout, and she did a study on uh, the similarities or differences in near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. And when the person came back, she examined what you have to go through to figure yourself out after you return. And, and it's a pretty stepwise process. The first thing is you have a radical shift in reality because you just got everything you thought you knew out the window. Mm -hmm. Next comes accepting that you had to come back because mostly people don't want to. They want to mm -hmm. stay where they are. Um, sharing the experience, that can be very scary. People yeah. think crazy, you know, oh, this is just a dream. They won't listen to you. They can't be with you in their heart. Um, and then integrating new spiritual values with your earthly expectations. When there's this thing that's so magnificent and so full of love, I have to uh, clean up my dog poop and plug in my car and, you know, do that kind of stuff. How do, how do I figure out why I'm here? What am I doing? What does this mean? And then often... Um, when you return, you have heightened spiritual gifts like this man and his healing energy. He could come in and touch those babies and they just, ah, oh. you know, they went to that, that I suspect that place of love and light again. Mm -hmm. And finally, it's finding one life's purpose, one's life purpose. Once you've come back with, after having all of this, now what do I do? Am I still a letter carrier? Do I, you know, do I rescue animals? What what do I do with my life going forward? Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of things I address with yeah. patients when they come in. And um, mostly it's about um, spending time with yourself. In 3D reality, we spend a lot of time with externals, don't we? It's all about yeah. what's out here, yep. demanding our attention. And my focus is to bring people back into an intrinsic experience. What's in your heart? Mm -hmm. What's in your soul? What gives you joy? Because what yeah. gives you joy gives others joy. Right. And when you share that in some form or fashion, you're back to source energy again. You're back to that beautiful light that you came from. Mm -hmm. So even in this 3D world, you can still experience those wonderful feelings. And for everyone I have worked with, and certainly for myself, after having had the privilege and the joy of doing this work, death is no longer something to be afraid of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> many things to touch on there. And I think part of the issue is in society that people are afraid of death. And I yes. think it's, it's almost a perpetual fear because they haven't found that purpose in life. And often we're chasing and, and I don't say this with any judgment because I used to be that way too, where you're kind of ch chasing achievements in this 3D world, as you've described, whether it's through our careers, our relationships, some financial goal we're constantly in that chase and that's where that fear of death comes i believe because we haven't found true meaning because we're not living our life with the purpose we're meant to live 
with. And, and I think that unconditional love that you talk about, or you mentioned earlier too, is because we've been programmed since childhood, right? Even our parents unintentionally, uh, and they obviously have the best intentions often show us conditional love, right? If you do this, or if you behave a certain way, or if you say this, then you're worthy of love. And that's how we end up living our whole lives. And I think to your point, coming back to that internal self is where you can find that unconditional love because that's, that's what it really is, right? There's no conditions on being connected to that inner self. So I, I completely agree with you on that. That's a really good point. Our parents love us through the filter, the goggles, if you will, of their own wounds. Mm-hmm. And some parents are much more wounded than others. Yep. So people have very different kinds of upbringings. And the first thing we learn to do, if we're intelligent, and children are, is we learn to push it down, suppress it. Mm-hmm. I can't handle this pain if I think and I feel at the same time it will destroy me as a human being. So I have to learn to either feel or think I can't do two at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which is, at the time, a very adaptive response and a good thing to do. And children wouldn't survive you know, if they didn't. However, when they go out in their life outside that place, mm-hmm. it begins to turn against them. And they're still focused on the external. They're still looking for something out here. There's something out here that's going to save me. Mm-hmm. So they're, a lot of their energy is going to pushing down that pain and looking for something out here to save them. And guess what? It never works. No. The answer is actually to let that pain out, let it go release it, send it back. And then you get to be filled with joy again, just like you were when you came. Mm -hmm. But it's scary because when we're little and we get hurt, um, it feels like we're going to die. We we can't bear it, we think. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, we get a lot of messages from the world to keep us focused externally. For example, you can't be happy without my car that I'm selling. You can't be happy unless you wear my cologne. You can't be happy unless you buy this kind of house, have that kind of job, et cetera, et cetera. And so there are uh, companies, people, organizations that are heavily invested in keeping you externalized and not looking inside where the real love is, where the real healing can begin. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. And, And I think, you know, Obviously, as children, we don't have the tools and sometimes we, we don't know how to ask for what we need. But then as adults, it is our responsibility to heal. And that's the real powerful aspect of healing. And, and that kind of leads me into my other question. As you mentioned earlier, often when people have those near-death experiences, they come back with spiritual powers. But do you feel like those spiritual powers are always there and we just don't know how to tap into them? And the reason oh, why I ask it, Yeah. And does that happen through our ability to find healing and and heal ourselves and and find true meaning in our lives? When we go have that near-death experience, as far as I can tell, um, it's kind of like going to the car wash. Mm. You get everything cleaned off and you come back, nice, clean, shiny car again. Like you did when you were first born into this life. Okay. So I'm in this nice, shiny, clean car. I can do what I want to do. I all of a sudden found out, wow, I know how to do this and I can do that and I can share love this way. And again, what makes that tough is uh, people will say, no, you can't. You can't heal babies. 
you 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 can't do Reiki. Those no, those are things other people do. Mm-hmm. You're a used car salesperson. That's what you do, right? So you're trying to figure out what do I do with this nice shine cleany car that I am now, and everyone's throwing mud at me and saying, "No, go back, go back, go back." And it can be a very lonely place. Yeah. Finding someone that you can talk to about, ah, I've got this light inside me and I, I'm looking for a way to share it with other people. And people will tell me either they don't want it or I don't have it, denying mm-hmm. my own reality. One of the things we struggle with in the 3D world is um, we uh, like to use linear measurement for things. And mind you, linear measurement has its place. Not going to argue that. I'm right. trying to figure out which antibiotic is better. I want metrics so that I can see if it's working. Yeah. However, there are things called felt experiences. Mm-hmm. And felt experiences, you can't categorize them using traditional metrics. For example, <clears throat> um, I was challenged once during my dissertation defense. Uh, you have to go through this thing where all these people ask you questions and stuff. And um, so I was, I was said to me, you know, I don't think you deserve to get your doctorate because, you know, your uh, my dissertation was on what happened to people when they believed they'd seen a ghost. My job mm-hmm. was not to prove they'd seen one, just what happened to the rest of their life afterward. Right. And he said, you didn't prove anything. I said, well, I'll tell you what, let me ask you this. I said, I think that's a very valid point. Have you ever loved or loathed someone? And he kind of pulled back. I said, well, sure, my grandma, I love my grandma. I said, prove it. Prove to me categorically that you love your grandmother. He said, well, I go see her every Sunday and I eat her bad apple pie and I don't tell her it's bad and I always get her a Christmas present. I said, you, sir, could be a liar. Maybe you're in it for the money and the will. Maybe you're some kind of weird sociopath and you're planning on killing your mother. You haven't proved anything. Mm -hmm. And that's the nature of a felt experience. You can't quantify it in the the traditional way that, that we're used to. So when people can't do that, um, they dismiss it. Right. And that is the worst kind of science at all. Mm-hmm. To dismiss something because you don't have a tool yet, that's irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think in today's world, we're so, we're so trained to think with our left brain that <laughs> when, when, <laughs> When you kind of have that right brain thinking or, or an experience, unless you haven't experienced it yourself, people, to your point, dismiss it. But I think someone else who's gone through it can have compassion or empathy, even if they can't relate to that experience or can't seem to agree with it. There's that understanding and acceptance that, yeah, your experience is equally as valid, just like mine was. And to your point, because it's a felt experience, it's hard to to even qualify in terms of words and that's where again the left brain thinking comes in and people dismiss it for for that reason alone um but yeah i i do find that very interesting and so what are you know you talked about finding that inner light and and connection to source and i've been listening to a lot of work of rick rubin who's a famous music producer i'm sure you've heard of he talks a lot about connecting to the source and finding that creative energy, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's fascinating. And I think that's part of that whole spiritual power we were talking about. Um, I guess, how can people become more tuned into that inner light? Because like, like we discussed already, we all have it. It's just 
finding access to it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, um, the idea is that uh, to be in this 3D world, again, we become very externally focused and it's about bringing it back to the self. Meditation is very helpful in this. Mm -hmm. um, and and please, if, if any of your listeners are, are intimidated by meditation, don't be. There's some really easy, simple ways to do it. And uh, if we had more time, we could go through that. But you can find them. They're out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's also a wonderful way to, to help create your reality because the brain, you can attune the brain to seeing things. For example, if you have a negative attitude, um, good things will just go right by you. You won't see them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you're looking for what's wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're attuned to positive things, then um, you get lots of them. And you begin to get into synchronicity and you begin to get into flow and you begin to get into that creative energy and that, and that sense of source energy again. Mm -hmm. So it's, but it is the skill of having a foot in two worlds. Yes, I live here in the flesh. This is my experience, but this is where my heart and my soul are. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most powerful changes that, that people experience, uh, both in my research and um, in near-death experiences is uh, an incredible exponential increase in empathy. Mm. People are able to accept others and listen to others. And even if it's not their experience at all. And often that's what happens is that people say, well, I haven't had an experience like that. So it cannot be true. Yeah. Bad idea. <laughs> it's just, it's not valid. You know, mm -hmm. there are lots of experiences you may or may not have, but that doesn't make them, you know, real or not. You don't have to have malaria to know the cure, you know. Your right. your job is to be able to say, okay, this person has gone through this or had this experience or has these feelings. And, wow, I can understand how that might be true. It hasn't been true for me so far. But I can accept you and love you for who you are and what your experience has been. Yeah. Yeah, no. And that's, I mean, coming back to the whole idea of empathy, I think really translates to unconditional love. Right. And yes. if, if we haven't been able to give it to ourselves, we can't really give it to others. And that's, I think that's personally for me, that's the real goal in life is how can you have that unconditional love for everyone, regardless of who they are. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's easy to forget because we often attach ourselves to perhaps what things people are doing, how that makes us feel. Outcomes. That, yeah. Outcomes. And that's, that too is subjective, yes. right? It's subjective and it's being able to maybe take a higher resolution view and see, okay, well, still another soul or a human that I can give unconditional love to. I don't have to agree with what they're doing, but they're still here. They're doing their thing, right? So, Well, the other thing that's very important to remember is in order, as you wisely say, to have empathy for others, we have to have empathy for the self. Mm -hmm. And, and, one of the ways that, that we get there and maintain that place is we remember that often the most amazing gifts come wrapped in the worst kind of paper. Yeah. And it's important not to get distracted by the paper and pay attention, you know, to the gift. Like that man, he went through a horrible surgery and it was a tough physical recovery for him and a lot of other stuff, but he got this incredible gift out of it that changed the rest of his life and the lives of everyone he encountered. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I love that uh, 
gift paper analogy because it reminds me of a recent story where my son and I were uh, going to his friend's birthday party and I don't know how to wrap gifts. So I was like completely embarrassed by the wrapping job I had done. But afterwards, <laughs> my, my son was like, he didn't care. He just ripped it all off. And he, he was so happy about the gift. And, you know, that's that's really what it is. We get so focused on the exterior things, whether it's people, objects, and forget what's really inside at the core. And uh, yeah, that's just that's just beautiful, I think, and uh, profound. Um, now, in terms of, you know, you mentioned meditation, obviously, we need to have that ability to be able to disconnect from this 3D world, as we've called it. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people get stuck in that, right? They, they get so associated, and we touched on it briefly too, with their jobs or their what their role is in this world yes. that it's hard to disconnect now meditation is definitely one form what are the some of the other things i've found that are really powerful is being able to go out in nature i think that's probably oh at yeah least for me the most profound thing because you really you realize because you're in this consciousness of nature and you're away from the busyness of of this world and that's another area you know i would like to share people too if, if they're listening and and are looking for ways to to disconnect absolutely and there are there are power places for all of us that take us closer to source energy sometimes it's mountains sometimes it's woods sometimes it's an urban area they they love that energy uh but a really really easy way um uh, two really easy ways to meditate one is just a walking meditation as you just got mm -hmm. just being out in the world and allowing yourself to just experience that. Turn off your devices, put them away. Um, don't take them with you is even better. Um, uh, because we have studies that show that just the presence of the device is distracting. Mm -hmm. Even if all the bells and whistles are turned off, we're still a little bit, oh, I wonder, oh, I wonder, you know, like that. Yeah. So best if you can to leave it behind and just go for a walk in, in your power place, wherever that is. Another really easy way to do it, and you don't have to have special outfits and go to a, a big, you know, week-long training or anything. Just sit quietly or, or lay down quietly and let yourself see kind of a, a, a bucolic setting, someplace with lovely trees or grass, gardens, whatever. And um, think about it in, about fall and, and the deciduous trees lose their leaves, don't they? They turn colors and, and the leaves fall down. And so just let yourself see the leaves one at a time, just falling down from the tree, nice and slowly to the ground. And then another leaf comes down. And then another leaf. And you just keep letting leaves fall. And probably your first go, you may make it to five leaves. It sounds simple, but it takes some concentration, right? Right. And uh, remember that your mind will distract you because that's its job. Your prefrontal cortex, your consciousness here is, where am I? Am I eating? Is everybody okay? Where's my next destination? What is the sense of time, et cetera? In, in a meditative place, in a, in a light place, those things don't concern you. So when, when it comes in and tries to bring you back to the 3D reality, you, you say, yes, I see. And then the leaf comes down. And, and then the second part of that meditation is to visualize and think about what you want your life to be. We know from, from Einstein uh, that everything was and is and that will be all happens at the same time. This construct of linear time is, is a human construct. 
Mm-hmm. It's not how energy actually works. So your life is out there. You just have to claim it. Right. Tricky part is you need to shape it. So when you're in that meditative state, let's say you've done five leaves, think about what you want and do it in a gratitude-filled way. I'm so happy and grateful that I have a wonderful relationship with my kids. So happy and grateful that I have a wonderful relationship with my spouse. I'm so happy and grateful that I have uh, I rescued a dog and, and it's safe and warm and happy now. So happy and grateful that I, I found a purpose, a way of giving love that has great, great meaning to me. Whatever it is you want, mm-hmm. but you don't beg for it. You create it. Mm-hmm. Everything's created twice, and that's source energy. Once in the brain, your imagination, which is the closest to source energy I know, and then once in the 3D world. Mm-hmm. So you have to start here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think breathing can help too. breathing exercises, I find, because, again, oh, absolutely slows things down. And one of the things you touched on earlier and, and then what you said about Einstein right now, everything's in this life. You just have to claim it. I think, you know, as you were mentioning that whole experience that gentleman went through where he or, or other people have gone through where they see that light and perhaps <laughs> it's not their time yet. And I think Part of that is because they haven't claimed their life, yep. right? And and I think there's something profound there because we're all meant to live a life of purpose, whatever that may be. But mm-hmm. I think we're truly, we're not ready until we've claimed that purpose. And, yes. um, and I've shared this story previously on the podcast, but I think it's relevant here too, is uh, my grandmother passed away uh, late last year. And, oh, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's that's something I struggle with too, right? Is it something to be sorry for? Because I feel like I'm I, sorry I was for a- your loss. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I happy for her. That. I think she went to a really cool place. But yeah. you you miss her in the flesh, I know, and that's what I'm sorry for. Yeah, absolutely. But I think what what was really profound for me in that experience was my mom was able to FaceTime me, and and I was able to speak to her before she passed, or or see her, and I saw this peace on in her face and just calmness and this this uh just this happiness and you know she just smiled at me and i could just see it in her eyes and i was like okay this person's ready and that's why i don't feel sorry Mm -hmm. i actually feel super grateful first of all to be able to see her in that state but also know that she was at so much peace that she knew she was going to a better place and she was ready and she had lived her purpose um because you know, you see a lot of people in fear in those moments. And that's when it's kind of like sad to see because you're like, okay, maybe they're not ready yet, but their time has come. So I just wanted to tie that in with this because that was a very deep experience for me. And it really made me think about my own mortality to a deeper level and, and recognizing what kind of life am I living and, and am I living it to the fullest and doing the best I can. Oh, yeah. I've been given. Yeah. Well, in death and dying work, what I find is it's when people are coming to their last heartbeat, it's not the things they've done they regret so much as the things they didn't do, Mm -hmm. chances they didn't take, the things they didn't reach for. And so living a purpose-filled life, thinking about being conscious in your life, thinking about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And the connection of love is so powerful. I have so many stories, as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, but, but one of them was about this um, 
woman and her son was at work and he worked in a hotel. And uh, it was about mm, four o'clock in the morning. And she got a phone call and it was her son. And he said, mom, I love you. I'm all right. And she said, well, that's good, honey. How's your, how's your shift going? Is everything, you know, going okay? And he said, I have to go. And then he hung up. Um, and she found out later on the news that uh, an airplane had crashed into the hotel. And when he called her, he was dead. But he wanted her to know, I love you and I'm okay. And his love extended beyond the 3D. And their connection was such that she could receive it. Yeah, that's cool. uh, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah. But but again, you, you know, if you don't really appreciate that or haven't had experiences like that, it's easy to dismiss a story like that, right? Because it sure. obviously doesn't sound plausible or real, right? And right. and again, the logic behind it, people start looking at it logically rather than or or even scientifically. And, and try to dismiss it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the truth is uh, when people are frightened, um, it doesn't matter what evidence you present them with. You know, there were people when we were going through COVID who said, there is no COVID, it's a hoax. Just some, somebody made it up. People were dying. Yeah. Um, but they were still saying, no, this isn't true because... I don't want to accept it. It makes me uncomfortable. So, you know, there's no such thing as incontrovertible evidence to someone who does not want to see it. Mm. What you have to know is your own truth. And it's also very important that you surround yourself with people who uh, accept and love you. And the other thing that can be challenging is... When you've gone through a transformative experience and you see the world very differently and understand things you didn't understand before, you want to bring the people you love with you. Yeah. Oh, come and see this with me. Come and understand this with me. They're not always ready. Yeah. And so sometimes you have to recognize, okay, uh, their path is not my path. I have to honor where they are and accept where they are. Um, And uh, I may need to find others in other places who have had experiences like mine that I can talk to about this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a great point because yeah, you want your family members, your friends to kind of follow that same path. But I think to your point, you have to realize that everyone's journey is different and you can't just force someone to take that path, right? They have to get there on their own to truly appreciate it. Otherwise they won't understand it. And it comes back to the whole notion of felt experiences, as you said. Um, but on the, on the flip side, you do, I feel like you start attracting people into your oh, life yes. who are on the same journey. And that's what I found where I'm just oh, yes. connecting with people that I didn't think I would, right. Just out of nowhere. And it makes sense, but at the same time, when you kind of take a step back and think about it, you're like, well, why is this happening? But it's because you're on similar paths and, and you're you're being, I think it's that law of attraction that's taking place. Oh, unquestionably. You know, the energy you put out is the energy you get back. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's why, um, in fact, I just did a, a YouTube on uh, the three integrity fairies. And it's a little story about exactly that. That, you know, what you put out is what comes back to you. And if you're not aware of what you're putting out, 
you're often surprised by things like, well, why do I keep attracting these bad relationships? Or, or why can't I get, you know, a good job at work? Here's one. This lady came to me and she said, I just, no matter what I do, I can't get the promotion at work. The big promotion that'll mean the raise and the new title and all these things. And I said, oh, okay, well, tell me what you feel is in your way. She said, I don't know. I work really hard in this and that. And I said, so you get a new title. How do you feel about the new title? Uh, oh, that would be good. It'd be great to have a new title. And, and what about the raise? Silence. Mm -hmm. And I said, and what about the raise? Well, you know, money's the root of all evil. Here we go. So she's never going to get that job. It's never going to happen because she sees money as bad. And if I'm money, I'm not going to come to your house if you're not welcoming, right? So she's not putting out energy that's going to bring her back what she's looking for. So basically, our work together was to get her comfortable with abundance. Yeah. And it's great for her to receive. And from her abundance, she can do amazing things. Yeah, yeah. And she, FYI, did get the job, did get the title. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, she called me. She said, I did it, I did it. She was so excited. But it wasn't about the money or the title anymore. It was about the understanding right. of her energetic presence. Absolutely. Yeah. And synchronicity and flow and, and connecting to source energy. That's what changed her life. This was a 3D track to get there. Mm -hmm. But that's ultimately where she ended up going. Yeah. And I think to, to your point, if you're putting out the right energy, then you're going to attract what's meant for you too, right? And sometimes yes. we don't know what's meant for us because, again, our perspectives are so limited. And then we often get upset or, or get attached to the outcome because it's not exactly what we envisioned it to be. Um, and then the whole notion of abundance too. I think a lot of people get caught up in abundance thinking, oh, it has to be financial only. But abundance could be through love. All kinds you of can, things. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can through relationships, through people, uh, through opportunities, you know, there's, there's so many ways you can experience abundance. And again, I think a lot of the times because of how society's kind of painted a picture, the, the, the view is always, oh, I want abundance in financial terms or, things. or yeah, mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. objects. And, and that's where often people lose sight of it. And the biggest piece I realized is if you're not grateful, you're never going to get see yes. it, right? And it's yes. through gratitude you can appreciate all the abundance that you're experiencing or all the opportunities that are coming your way. So that's absolutely crucially, you know, crucial as well. And that's kind of the the uh, end of that little meditation exercise I talked about. It's being grateful for, you know, whatever. And and people often come to me and they'll say, um, you know, why did this happen to me or why did that happen to me? And I always say, you know, that's above my pay grade. I don't know. I, I'm not that smart. Maybe in my next life I'll get that right. But this time I don't know. I can only tell you that it is in service of you if you use it, no matter what's happened. And I've gotten to the point in my life where something happens that I perceive to be negative, I actually get excited because I think, oh, What's around the corner? Something really cool is coming because only good things will come to me. I know that. So there may be setbacks and irritations and slow drivers and this and that, but something wonderful is yeah. always around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it's, I think looking at those setbacks as opportunities too. And again, I'm not saying this because like, it's easier said than done, but you know, because I often have a pity party too, but it's taking, <laughs> taking taking that moment to realize that 
what's this setback meant to teach me, right? Like, what can I learn from this? How can I get better from this experience? So then when that good thing comes, I'm fully prepared to receive it. Because if we were just handed things that we wanted, we wouldn't be ready to receive them. I've had things that have landed in my lap and according to what I wanted in the moment, but I just wasn't ready to fully appreciate it and, and be the person that could take on that responsibility. And I think it's through setbacks that you can become more responsible and, and be able to accept those things. Agreed. And I think to your point, pity parties can actually be a good thing if we use the energy well. <clears throat> Excuse me. I always say, would you like a little cheese with your wine, right? Yeah. Um, but when you do that, if you're doing it in a constructive way, um, you're actually expelling energy. And a little trick um, that's really helpful, especially if you get frustrated or you're in a negative thought loop about something, mm -hmm. is you just say, I see you, I release you. Mm -hmm. I see you, and really do your hands like this. I see you, I release you. Just let the energy go. And you may have to do it 52 times the first day to get rid of that thing, but you'll begin to notice on day two, three, and four that, yeah, it doesn't have the charge it had before. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take me to that place of negative energy that it did before. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've sent it back to be recalibrated as something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a good tip. Uh, Margaret, thank you so much for all of this. I really appreciate everything you've shared and, and some of the stories you also shared to illustrate the points. But is there anything else you feel like perhaps we can add here that maybe I haven't been able to ask you and would be of value to the listeners? Well, I think that um, for the people that are interested, uh, there's a lot of good information out there about uh, near-death experiences. Um, death can give life uh, a very powerful charge, a lot of recognition about you know, what you're here to do. So looking at some of those things, um, reading about them, uh, there are books out there. A lot of YouTube people are out there talking about what their experience was like. Um, and remembering that no matter what, no matter what's going on, no matter what you're worried about, no matter what you're thinking, you are that source energy. You always have been. You always will be. And you're never, ever alone. Yeah. Yeah. I think to build on that just quickly, one of the things I love about nature is often just sitting there looking at the trees and how they kind of go through their progression of death and birth, right? Even what it's through the changes in the seasons, but even seeing some trees dying and making way for, for the new ones, right? And that's mm -hmm. what life is. And yes. I think... Once we can live in that aspect of unconditional love, we can make way for, for new uh, life here. And, and I think that's probably something I focus on and nature allows me to have that perspective. Well, there is no us and them. There's only us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again, Margaret. And for people that want to find you or learn more about the work you do, what are some ways they can do that? Uh, they can go to drcochran.com. That's my website. Or uh, they can find me on YouTube at Wisdom, Love, and Magic or Instagram at Dr. Cochran. Perfect. This was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for checking out this episode with Dr. Cochran. As always, please leave a review 
or comments in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. And please subscribe to the podcast if you already haven't done so. That's the best way to support this podcast. Thank you. And until next week. Mm -hmm.